Saludos and salutations, Broncos country, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adam Diaz, and joining me as always to my right is at Richie Richie. Richie, how you doing tonight, my friend? Not bad, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you very much, Richie. And Richie, it is Thanksgiving week. We have gone through an crazy, crazy week of football, even though there was no Broncos football to, to speak in general this past weekend. But even with that said, Rich, we have lots to talk about, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that happened, and we're going to get into today's show. But before we do that, Rich, just want to go over a couple of things with our viewers. Guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in live. If this is your very first time, welcome to Broncos Talk. And before we get anything else started, let me guys just remind you that if you like what Richie and I have to share and talk about in today's show, please make sure to hit that like button, subscribe on YouTube, or hit us and share wherever you get your uh, social media intakes from. Also remember that we have other shows to keep your Broncos uh, hunger going. We have the MHRT podcast that airs every single Thursday, the Nothing Rhymes With uh, podcast that airs every single Friday, and of course, our new show, The Neighborhood, that airs just before every single Broncos game. So with that being said, Rich, let's get into the big news that hit uh, Broncos media over the weekend, which is the uh, contract extensions that was given that were given to Tim Patrick and Corlin Sutton. Now, a lot of people were kind of divided when Tim Patrick got his extension, Rich, because a lot of people were kind of wondering uh, if George Payton wasn't going to be have enough money or be able to give Corlin Sutton his fair share of a good, decent contract. And because of that, uh, it, it started to kind of create a wedge as, as I was seeing it because people were starting to kind of get divided in the in the sub decision. But then hey, I don't know. Where... Just interject. Um... I don't know if you covered off, but uh, because of the American Thanksgiving, uh, the Canadian Thanksgiving has long passed. Don't worry, I'm fine. Um, but uh, the uh, American Thanksgiving uh, coming up this coming Thursday, uh, there will not be an MHRT pod uh, this coming Thursday. You will get Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue on the Friday, though. Uh, I, I, I didn't hear if you covered it, and we do have a, a question about that uh, in the chat here uh, from uh, Dave uh, Full Glassman. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure we, we covered that off. Yeah, uh, so because of the American holiday, which is uh, Thanksgiving, like Rich said, we will not be airing our, our regular show on Thursday. So please make sure to tune in Friday for any up-to-the-date Broncos news with our good friends Johnny and Isaiah on the Nothing Rhymes With podcast. So uh, going back to my point, it was kind of like George Payton was reading people's minds and it just came out of like, I would say nowhere. And it was like, okay, well then Corden Sutton, might have to, uh, you know, get signed a contract, and then he came with his contract. So it it it's it's all falling into place here, Rich, and it's really amazing to see George Payton doing what needs to be done and taking care of the players that want to be Broncos, you know. And we heard it from Tim Patrick in his in his conference. He says he wants to be a Bronco, you know. He he and actually let me rephrase that. He had no intention of looking to go anywhere elsewhere if he had gone into free agency at the end of the season, which is just amazing to hear because he wants to stay in Denver. Same thing with Corden Sutton. He wants to be a Bronco for the rest of his career. Now, the only burning question left here, Rich, is who's going to be the quarterback at the beginning of next season and for the future of those contracts? Because while it's great that George Payton gave those guys their, their fair share and their money and they've earned it, we need to make sure we have somebody that can get them the ball so they can definitely earn 
what they're going to get paid. Well, I can touch on that real, real quickly, but I, I want to go into more depth on the quarterback topic later on mm-hmm. in the pod. Um, with a move like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, uh, you end up with extreme flexibility uh, on a team. So uh, w- and what I mean by that is um, you have a guy like, uh, say, Drew Locke, for example, who really excelled with a guy like Tim Patrick, who was, you know, as you know, I've said on multiple pods before this, uh, is that zip code guy. You know, throwing his general direction, uh, he virtually never drops the ball, which, I, I, I mean, even looking at his stats, you still wonder how that's even possible. Uh, he is that good. And um, then you have a guy like Cortland Sutton, who's a, a hair faster and has a few more uh, routes on the route tree. That being said, Cortland is certainly playing off of, Court, uh, sorry, Patrick, rather, is certainly playing off of uh, Sutton and has um, expanded uh, his route tree as a result, uh, which is great for us as a team. I mean, to have those two guys as tandems because they are very much very similar receivers, uh, the exception being uh, Sutton, slightly more polished, uh, Tim Patrick, a little bit more reliable and slightly more aggressive. So they kind of do bring some minor tweaks, uh, which could yield uh, better results depending on who our opponent is. Um, But to your, your point there, getting two guys locked up like those guys does allow George Payton that flexibility to either dip again into the draft if he so chooses in 2021, which I know a lot of people are not necessarily huge fans of just because of the uh, uh, skill sets within this particular draft class coming up, or pivot and go the other direction and start compiling those draft picks and uh, targeting one of two uh, free agents that we'll discuss a little bit later on, or not free agents, but uh, two uh, veteran quarterbacks uh, and to try to pull them away from their respective teams to come to Denver. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy. And going to this comment here that EJ uh, mentioned, which was going to be my next point, which is receivers are a dependent position and only as good as our quarterback. Peyton should have saved some of that cap money for a quarterback, unless he is going to draft a rookie. Now, I will disagree with just that end part of your comment there, EJ, because cap money is not something that's of George Payton's concern because if there was, if cap money was an issue, there was, I don't think that both of these guys would have gotten a contract. It would have been either one of them got a contract and then one of them would have had to either restructure or settle for less money, or they would have given them the chance to, you know, go try out for, for free agency. So I don't think that cap money is a huge issue for the Broncos, especially going with the fact that the cap space is going to increase next season. And the Broncos are one of the uh, few teams that have a lot of cap space going into the next uh, season. So I think that it's going to be one of those kind of just show a a veteran, like let's say for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, to show them like, hey, look, this is what we have in Denver. We have A, B, C, and D on offense. In our defense, we have, uh, you know, A, B, C, and D as well. Uh, coaching changes are more than likely going to happen in Denver, regardless of, of how the second part of the season turns out. So it's just going to be who wants to be enticed with draft picks. And that's something that the Broncos have accumulated, with, especially with the trade of Von Miller. So I don't think that if they do get another quarterback from another team, I don't think it's going to be giving them a, a like breaking the bank, so to speak, because a guy like Aaron Rodgers can totally break the bank with Green Bay just staying there. He, he knows that. Same thing with Russell Wilson. He can break the bank staying with them if he gives them an ultimatum. And he knows that. 
So if Denver does want to go out and get one of those really good quarterbacks, I think that they would have to give either one of those teams something that's not cap space or decide to say, hey, look, we'll give you some draft picks and we'll take like a half or some part of that quarterback salary to pay and then get a deal done in trying to acquire said quarterback. Now, I also don't want to necessarily push back on that because I do believe the, the the top part of EJ's comment there with regards to receivers being a dependent position, I could not agree with that more. I'd also argue that uh, receivers are not only dependent on the quarterback, they're also dependent on the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line being able to pass pro and give the quarterback enough time to throw the ball to them is in many respects almost more important than the quarterback themselves because if if most quarterbacks have enough time to throw you know i mean even an extended amount of time to throw they'll eventually make a throw down the field to a receiver so in many respects the offensive line is is kind of even more important than that uh, to your point also about cap space and availability i have a list here uh that i want to read out uh to all of the, those joining us and again thank you very much uh, for joining us live if you have questions or comments please go ahead and leave them and we will do our very best to answer them live so the free agents that we have coming up uh this year uh teddy bridgewater alexander johnson josie jewel kenny young melvin gordon kareem jackson bryce callahan kyle fuller Eric Saubert, Bobby Massey, Cam Fleming, the Angry Aviator, he has a real name, but that doesn't matter, and Shamar Steven. So with that list, just that list, um, you have millions of dollars saved next year alone if you just opt to just not bring back any of them. So as an example, Kareem Jackson was brought back on a one-year $5 million deal. Melvin Gordon was approximately six or seven million dollars this year in terms of towards the cap. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, was 13 million dollars towards the cap, if I'm not mistaken. And that's just off the top of my head, the first handful that I can just kind of rhyme off that I happen to know kind of the cap dollars for. So in addition to that, we also have outs in other contracts that are not on that list, such as Graham Glasgow. Uh, 2022, rather, is uh, the out in Glasgow's contract where the uh, cutting him uh, would likely make a fair amount of sense because we'd end up saving more than we would pay him, um, especially for the remainder of the contract that he has that extra year at the end. So we may well do that as well, especially considering he has been injured often and Basically, Quinn Miners has, in, in many respects, made him redundant. Yeah, and, you know, that also, I, I don't know if you were playing off of EJ's next comment, which is this one, that he says, we still need to upgrade our offensive line. Kush has not improved. Glasgow is gone. Reisner can't play, and we still need a solution at right tackle. I want a dominant offensive line. Now, I agree with you there on EJ. Uh, I totally agree that Denver does need an offensive, a dominant offensive line, but while uh, it's it's kind of going to have to be where Denver is going to have to try to settle for one of the two. And offensive lines are a lot harder to build, especially if you can get somebody like a Russell Wilson, who, as we see in Seattle, their offensive line is way worse than ours. And he's always, for the last, since the start of his career as a Seahawk, he's always been running for his life. So I, I believe that Mike Munchak can build and can improve that offensive line. And we got to give credit where credit is due to the guys that are going up there now. You know, Moody has had his ups and downs. And Glasgow has also shown some vast improvement for uh, a rookie. You know, so Glasgow's while, not a rookie. 
or I'm sorry, not Glasgow. Uh, miners. Miners. Thank miners. You. Yeah. And miners has shown that uh, that as well. And while for them, even though they got, they're not, you know, official starters, and they kind of got thrown in there because they're replacing injured players. Uh, uh, you got to admit that over the years, our offensive line has been worse, especially at the right tackle. And the the Broncos going out and spending out money on offensive pieces, especially with John Elway at the helm, has been terrible. And we can go down the list of all the right tackles that John Elway has spent money on over the years, and they've just been, I mean, since Peyton Manning left, I believe, was the last time we had a decent right tackle. You know, we've gone through three of them. We, um, we had a decent right tackle, just to kind of jump in. We did have a decent right tackle. I completely agree with you back when Manning was here. But mm-hmm. I don't think we should necessarily be uh, pointing back to Elway's absolutely poor GM skill set at, at obtaining oft-injured veteran right tackles or, or band-aids, rather, at the offensive line as, as you know, why we shouldn't do something. Um, I do, in many respects, personally agree with EJ that if you have that dominant offensive line, you can, again, do what George Payton has said many a time that he prefers, which is, I want to be able to basically go in and say, I can go either or. So if you if you shore up a dominant offensive line, you could go veteran QB. Uh, you could go, uh, you know, less of that veteran QB. Now, here's an interesting one for you. I, I'm I'm in touch with a, a handful of Raiders fans, and there's a whole lot of animosity towards a guy like Derek Carr. Now, he would be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, but certainly not in the same stratosphere, if you will, as, say, a Russell Wilson or a uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now, we could likely retain more picks with a guy like Derek Carr or someone like him. I'm not saying exactly Derek Carr. I'm just saying someone like him. Um or if you do look at the other quarterback situations, like an Aaron Rodgers, he has a lot more um, dead money to the Green Bay Packers, even if he does get traded this year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 25 million for Rodgers if he get, if they trade him this year. That ends up getting eaten by the Green Bay Packers. So if the if the Broncos were willing to eat some of the the dollar value we may be able and i I have to see if that's allowed because i think you have to request an exception of the league of doing something like that we may be we may be able uh to retain more picks following what ej has stated earlier and perhaps draft maybe a right tackle which is a premium position in the nfl draft as we know from this past draft that we just went through um and and maybe shore up that offensive line through the draft and kind of go young and continue or continue going young so that we can maybe uh, sustain a veteran quarterback with a higher salary. Yeah, and uh, as Jay Bryan here points out, and that was actually going to be see you guys are on point today. I love that the chat is like one step ahead of me, where he says not many free agent linemen ever pan out. They need to de- draft and develop right. uh, straight from college, and that's totally true. And Jay Bryan, you're totally right. That's going to be my next point. Uh, there have been plenty of guys that, you know, if you're a real football fan, then you can sit and comment about how other teams have spent buttloads of money, you know, acquiring from different teams, and they just don't pan out to be what they're supposed to be. And uh, I, I couldn't agree. And that's because they go from one offensive line system to another, you know. And you could say that about any player in terms of, you know, defensive and offensive schemes or even special teams at that. 
which is true. But offensive linemen tend to be paid more money because, you know, they're on the front lines. Their job is a little bit more grueling than a wide receiver or maybe even a running back at that. But and it's a bigger risk because you need your offensive line to work as a team, you know, to work as one unit when, you know, when they have to pull, they have to pull together when they have to push or block, they have to push and block together, you know, to give the quarterback the uh, correctly amount needed at a time. So Mike Munchak is going to have his Lewis hands full. was really the last one that, that, that really came in and, and played well for us. What was he not like as in terms of a free agent offensive lineman. Now I, I kept on hearing Elway call him Lewis Vasquez, but I, I swear, I, at least maybe I'm wrong, um, but, you know, Canadian, not, not a whole lot of Spanish up north. But I thought it's Luis Vasquez. Yeah, that's that's right. Okay, so I, I am right and I'm, I'm not losing my mind. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. good. So the last offensive lineman that I remember us bringing in was Luis. That, that actually panned out. Like, he played well for two or three years for us there. And then that last year, he really did struggle. But to... to um, to Jay Bryan's point there, and you agreed as well. Uh, I'm agreeing. I'm just saying the last example of one that I know that panned out for us was was Luis Vasquez, but that's a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the exception to the rule, not the rule. Yeah. No. And you know, it, it just like I was about to say, Mike Munchak is going to have his hands full in trying to uh, either develop any new talent that the Broncos should decide to bring in from the draft, like he did with Miners. Or if the Broncos do decide to pursue, uh, you know, a top favorite uh, offensive lineman in uh, during the offseason and bring them in and try to get them to, to kind of, you know, gel together with whoever gets the starting job. But if we're, since we're on the subject of offensive linemen, if I had to pick one that's more than likely going to lose their starting position job, Rich, it's more than likely going to be Cushionberry because I, I'm just not seeing it there. Uh, when I see the, the tape back and I've seen the plays, I've seen him get pushed back more than, and I know we've said that Reisner has been struggling here and there, but Reisner has not had the type of season so far that uh, that Cushenberry has had. And for the a person of his caliber and from the position he came in in that pick, coming from that championship team, if I'm not mistaken, from LSU at the time, it's really been a disappointment. And right now, he's kind of just been... And, and it really sucks for me saying that because he came in from some very big shoes to fill. You know, we came in from Matt Paradis, who was here. And I forget the name of the other uh, center that was here after Paradis. I can't think of the name at the moment, but uh, his name you is You have uh, McGovern, who came in after McGovern. Uh, Connor McGovern, thank you. So Paradis was the uh, nickname, the, uh, the the angry Roman, mm-hmm. right? Because he had like the little curls at the front, kind of like yeah. Caesar and them did. Who, who's now um, guarding for Cam Newton, by the way. Pardon me. Yes, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you have Connor McGovern who came in after uh, after a parody and then or Paradis whatever Paradis, I, I yeah. French though so I probably pronounce it the French way uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, and then you ended up with um, uh, what uh, uh, McGovern no McGovern after and then now you have uh, Cushenberry yeah Cushenberry so because yeah, uh, he started as a rookie right yeah he started as a rookie and I and last year you heard me on this show Rich I always try to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a rookie he's a rookie you know you go easy on him and a lot of people were criticizing him but going into his second year I have not really seen that much improvement from him I know every time he goes up to the podium and speaks to uh the, to the media that we it kind of just sounds like the same back and forth that he's just been saying uh week in and week out and his job is really really in danger especially if the broncos decide to move up from him and they decide to you know they don't pursue another center in the draft or in free agency 
they could give that starting job to Miners because Miners has done, even though he's not playing center, he's playing guard. Miners has done a really good job at playing guard so far. So um, I have to agree with with Dave uh, in his comment here. Uh, Glasgow uh, first without a major restructure. Uh, I I whole I 100% agree with that. Um, I think our the first lineman that w- will lose their job. I mean, like I said, Miners has effectively made Glasgow redundant um, unless he restructures. Now, if we believe we do not or cannot find a competent or um, better offensive center to Cushenberry, we may push for that restructure and force him over at Glasgow, I mean, to play offensive center, which he played from what I was hearing from a bunch of Lions fans at a higher level than he did at guard for the Lions. And so that could be a sweet spot for Glasgow to keep with our team because I think he'll have a hard time catching on with another team just given to the given his injury history and age. Yeah, and you know this this whole offensive line going into the second part of the season guys, it's really kind of it's it's not worrying me like deeply but it is kind of concerning because right now miners is technically the was playing the second to glasgow and glasgow is out for the season so it is a bit of concern that we have to knock on wood that our offensive line guys keep going straight forward into the rest of the season without any injuries because we don't want to see who's behind those guys in terms of you know uh second and third and uh, mark i do appreciate your your comment but i'm not i'm I'm too old to play football now maybe 10 years ago i would have uh told you like hey uh, put me in there coach but right now i'd probably throw out my back on the first pitch (laughs) uh mark i'm just gonna push back a little bit on that um with six foot ten's length and and arm length there uh, he'd probably make for a better right tackle or left tackle just due to that push that he'd be able to get off of guys. Um, he's He's got a little, he's too high of a leverage to go against some of the uh, shorter, heavier uh, interior defensive linemen. So I'd be pushing uh, six foot 10 out here on the, maybe the right tackle uh, spot uh, instead, because he'd be able to keep the uh, outside linebackers at bay. You know, that one arm, uh, you know, schoolyard uh, holding onto the helmet and then having the other guy swing kind of deal. I think that I think that would be more appropriate. You guys are too kind. What can I say? <laughs> uh, going in here to hear our good friend Johnny Bakke, host of the Nothing Rhymes with podcast, jumping in saying, "When Miners pulls, the run lanes have been opening up like a funnel for our running backs." And that's actually a very good point, Johnny. And uh, you, you got to give kudos to Pat Shermer as, as very as much as I don't like saying that sometimes when he has found ways to try to improve the running game. When he does things like this, it actually works. The only thing is, is that he only does it once. And when he sees that it works, he gets away from it. And then when the Broncos are in a jam, then he tries to go for it again. But then it's like it doesn't really make sense when he goes for it again because it's usually when an offensive lineman draws a flag or the quarterback gets sacked or, you know, when it doesn't make the most sense, that's when he tries to go for it, you know? And with guys like Javante and even Melvin Gordon, when he can run the ball without fumbling it, you want to use those guys to that uh, to that type of, of ability, especially with Javante Williams just running as great as we, we've been seeing him run these last few weeks. 
And let's face it, guys, Javante Williams is definitely the future of this team. And Melvin Gordon is anything would be anything but lucky to still have a, a starting position or even a position with this team next season. Right. And I think to your point there, when you were speaking about Schirmer, I'm going to push back just a hair on that. I actually think the reason why you're not seeing these pulling guards like like we saw a lot last year um, and and sparingly actually this year, and it's only really started to occur the last couple games, is I don't believe that that's Shermer's offensive scheme. Um, historically speaking, uh, pulling guards is a Mike Munchak offensive scheme. Uh, he plays that that pulling guard in the run game and and kind of more of those that you know those types of plays. Um, Shermer is is more of the uh, I think the technical term for it is power run. But what we were seeing at the very beginning um, uh, of of the of the season where we were struggling, in fact, where we saw Reisner have his worst stretch of, of games where he was just getting absolutely manhandled. So uh, I think what we're seeing now, and I think the reason what you're to your point, and I think that's 100% true, is the reason why you're not seeing Shermer stick with it is because it's not natural for him. His his mental mindset is no, no, no. I gotta push the I gotta push the the power run style game, and I gotta I gotta play my my ball. And that's I think where you're seeing the players that we have on our team not necessarily fit that scheme. And in large part, that's because a good number of our young, not only linemen, guys like Reisner, who's our starter, uh, were drafted for that Rick Scangarello, Mike Shanahan-esque style uh, movement in the offensive guard position, which fits what you're saying. Like, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's just I, I'm coming at it from a slightly different vantage point is mm-hmm. it fits that pulling guard or moving guard and that kind of stuff, because that's why you're now seeing Reisner play better. We're starting to see the pulling guards. We're starting to see um, a lot more movement on the offensive line. And that's more in line with Mike Munchak's offensive scheme. And I think they're going to start to perhaps even borrow a little bit from Rick Scangarello or the uh, kind of Shanahan style uh, movement of the uh, offensive line, which I'd like to see more of because that's that's what our offensive line that, that's that's what they're built for. That's what they're good at. We can move away from it, but you got to draft different guys in order to fill those spots. Right. And, you know, before we go a little bit off topic, guys, uh, I just wanted to uh, kind of segue into another topic with the Broncos. And that's since we're talking about, uh, you know, free agency and whatnot. And that's uh, the notable unrestricted free agents that are going to be available at the end of the season. And some of them are Teddy Bridgewater, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, Kenny Young, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, Eric Saubert, Bobby Massey, Cam Fleming, Stephen Weatherly, and Shamar Steven. So out of those names, Rich, I think that some of the ones that I believe the Broncos should go out and keep are Stephen Weatherly because he's played very very well for this team Bobby Aviator I agree Bobby Massey hasn't been like terrible especially since I've seen him play as a bear here in Chicago but he has played decently well so unless the Broncos go out and draft a right tackle or they find another one then I believe that Bobby Massey you could give him another uh, another year maybe so or if you want to go with Cam Fleming and keep him as as in his backup position uh, Kyle Fuller Unfortunately, I, I can do without. 
Uh, Eric Saubert, he's been pretty good in the tight end uh, game. But I do believe that the Broncos may look elsewhere and find him expendable. And not just for monetary reasons. What, Saubert? Yeah. I think so. No. Well, here, here, here's where I step in on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, I think, is a little bit different because I think, I think you're going to be hard pressed to move away from a Fangio style defense because we've seen it generally have success in our division with our quarterback, with the quarterbacks we go up against. So I think we need to start drafting to fit the Fangio scheme better on the uh, defensive side of the ball. We can maybe get into that either in a later podcast or later in this pod, and I'm, I'm happy to go into that deeper. But on the offensive side of the ball, this is where the challenge comes, is who are you going to be in terms of the offense? Like, what is your identity going to be, and how, and what style of offense are you going to run? Are you going to run the, the Shanahan-style offense? Because then a Noah Fant would shine, Saubert would probably also shine, and so would Albert O. I would just sign all three of them, keep them as a core group of tight ends, because Saubert you could probably get back at a pretty reasonable uh, dollar value in terms of monetary value. And then you're not rolling the dice in the draft, which, let's be honest, the Broncos have gone through uh, Jake Butt, you know, you know, you know the jokes that go on with that. And then we also had Jeff Hireman, Hireman, Hireman mm-hmm. who... Again, both were oft injured. So so that's that's kind of the, the issue that we've had at tight end, that we've did not traditionally drafted them particularly well, except for Albert O. But Albert O was really was almost drafted because we had Drew Locke, and there was that natural connection between the two. But he has turned into an exceptional draft pick for our team and, mm-hmm. and really seems to be more scheme flexible than, say, for example, a guy like Noah Fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that if it came to do we absolutely need Saubert, like I would be okay for moving on from him is my point. But if the Broncos want to go and give him a contract, I'd be okay with it. You know, that's that's basically my point. Uh, uh, Bryce Callahan, I wouldn't mind having him back, although his injury list history has been quite uh, extensive. Extensive, yeah. And it's it's a concern. I'm not gonna lie, it's a concern. But uh, even even at that even at that point, he's still been playing better than Kyle Fuller. Uh, Kenny Young, obviously, we we want him back. Uh, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, I would want one of those two guys back because I don't think that either one of them would want to play behind uh, Kenny Young or even Baron Browning. Those two guys together have been amazing, Rich. They have done such great, such a great job. And I don't see them trying to, you know, maybe incorporate a different formula by switching one out with the other, you know, Johnson with Browning or Johnson with with uh, with Kenny Young and, and vice versa. So I could see the Broncos maybe giving one of those two guys a contract and then maybe offering one to the other, see if it bites and if it doesn't, you know, let them test out free agency. Uh, but I don't really know if either one of those guys would be happy to play second fiddle to either Kenny Young or Baron Browning. I hate to disagree with you again, um, but I disagree. Um, <laughs> you know, says, says the person who's about to disagree, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually think that it's, it's a clear winner. The, the combination of a Baron Browning and Kenny Young is a clear and obvious upgrade at the linebacker position. 
Now, I do think that our Denver Broncos would do well to perhaps look at someone to back up Baron Browning, perhaps in the third round-ish of the draft that may need some development or something along those lines that has a little bit of sideline to sideline speed uh, to kind of spell Browning. What is clear to me is that Sternad is not it. Uh, he, for whatever reason, is is not capable of playing the physical style of football that I believe an inside linebacker needs to play. Now, if we feel that Sternad may be able to be a uh, move, get moved to outside linebacker and play that position instead, and, and perhaps rotate in there this season, hey. All ears, let's see it happen. But I would do it this season. I would move Stranat out to the outside like this year since we've got Bradley Chubb that's been injured uh, a fair amount. Malik Reed, who in my opinion has underwhelmed this year. Uh, he has not made the sacks that you need from a guy who's going to be a potential starter on your team. He seems to be getting coverage sacks uh, and not able to beat his man when he's one-on-one. Unlike a guy like Jonathan Cooper, I understand he probably would have been a second round pick Cooper if he didn't have that heart condition. So mm-hmm. we're kind of being, we're unfairly judging Cooper by calling him a seventh round pick when in reality, he probably would have gone way, way higher in the draft. Um, but that's our gain in other teams' losses. And and so you have Cooper on the one side, Bradley Chubb, who's been injured a fair amount and who, you know, without Vaughn, is going to start commanding a few double, a few more double teams than we would probably like. But if Cooper keeps progressing the way that he is, teams won't be able to double uh, on Chubb's side of the ball. They're going to have to start balancing that, which is going to be a good thing for us. So I'd like to see Stranod on the outside, see how he does. But I think we need a guy for Browning. I would be totally okay if we brought back in Jewel, who I thought was had, had a much better year than Johnson this year. Johnson's too slow for this style of NFL right now, and, and certainly not for our team and our style. Well, we also have to keep in mind, Rich, that, and I totally forgot about this point, we're more than likely going to have a different defensive coordinator come at the end of the season because if Vic Fangio is fired, I don't see Ed Donatel sticking around, although it would be, it would be, I wouldn't be mad at it if he did decide to, you know, not follow in Vic Fangio's footsteps like they kind of have been since their days in Chicago and, and San Francisco. Yeah, they, they're, they're a package deal. Yeah. So <laughs> um, if they leave and then they bring in a new defensive coordinator, which is more than likely going to happen with a new head coach, then, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what kind of scheme they decide to run and how they would decide to use guys like Kenny Young and Baron Browning. And if they do decide to, uh, you know, bring back uh, Alexander Johnson and Joe's Jewel. So uh, with that being said, Rich, I think then, and then the number one guy on this list is Teddy Bridgewater. Would we want to bring him back? And you know what? I'll be the first to admit it. And I ate crow at the beginning of the season. I was not a Teddy Bridgewater fan when rumors first started going around that George Payton was interested in acquiring his assets. I really did not want him to come to Denver. I wanted the team to go out with Drew Locke and say, hey, look, here, we're going to give you one more shot. Go out there. Prove to us you can be the franchise guy. And, you know, then we'll talk. We'll talk contract at the end of the season if everything goes well. And then here comes Bridgewater. He comes in. He has three really great games. He starts winning people over, including myself. And then <laughs> we're four or five games later. And, and you know, here we are. And 
And then last, not last week, but the, the game against the, the Eagles, that uh, <laughs> that non-attempt to not make a play against uh, Darius Slay. And every single time people saw, uh, you, you know, a quarterback this past week make a play on an interception they threw or whatever, just throw themselves out, they all went to Twitter and said the same thing. <laughs> you know, hey, Bridgewater, are you watching? That's a real quarterback. And when you see things like that, Rich, that's how you know you start to lose Broncos country in terms of, you know, being the guy. And, you know, Bridgewater can go forward and, and light it up these next few games and take us to the playoffs, let's say, for example, which would be great. But I don't think even that would be enough to convince Broncos country that Teddy Bridgewater is the guy or is the guy going forward that can take this team to a Super Bowl just for the simple fact that from that one notion alone of not trying to make a play and, you know, making a, a business decision, and as it's been being called this past week, I just don't think that's enough for George Payton to say, hey, you know, we're going to give you one more shot to come back and, and let's see what you can do. So I don't think Bridgewater is the future and I don't think Julak is the future either because they haven't given him enough time to prove it. And the one game that he had a chance to do it, Julak fell flat. So this is why I keep on saying throughout the pod that, I, in my opinion, scheme matters. So Drew Locke showed real promise in uh, the Scangarello offense at the end of the year prior. And I believe the Broncos made a very, very, very large mistake in getting rid of Scangarello when they did. Now, there are rumors that were flying around that Scangarello was uh, kind of rubbing Elway the, the wrong way uh, because he was not um, bending <laughs> in a in a direction that Elway wanted because my understanding is that Elway was wanting us to kind of become a more explosive offense and Scangarello sounds like he's kind of more cut out of the same cloth that I am which is no I, I want to beat the living crap out of the opponent and then the yards will start coming as you continuing continually beat down the opponent on the other side Mm-hmm. And so um, scheme really matters for a quarterback. And I think it's just so, so important. And similarly, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, is also playing in the wrong scheme. Um, so I've done some breakdowns uh, on our pods in the past about breaking down uh, two tight end sets uh, or the 12 personnel sets versus 11 personnel sets. So uh, our offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, is a huge proponent and loves his 11 personnel sets with the t- uh, three wide receivers and one tight end. Whereas Scangarello and others prefer the uh, multiple tight end sets and kind of going that that movement style in the offensive line and, and misdirection and, and that, side of, that sort of stuff. So I, I think scheme matters. And I believe Teddy Bridgewater does better in a 12 personnel heavy package where he has better protection and then the tight ends can kind of break out and catch passes out of the, you know, from like the kind of that short route. Cause those tight ends can be used as almost a secondary safety valve for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who has a vision to, to see the, that type of play kind of start to emerge. So I think scheme matters. And um, similarly, if I can just touch base on your, on your defensive comment earlier with regards to Donatel potentially staying versus not Donatel, in my opinion, has zero chance of staying if Fangio goes. That mm-hmm. being said though, we're seeing at least three to four, actually three teams, including the Chargers who we're about to play coming up, who are basically playing a Vic Fangio scheme defense. Right. So, and uh, 
that's that's the thing i don't see why would we change when literally everyone else like you know we kept on saying well you know we went vic fangio and all these other guys were going young offensive coordinators so we zagged when everyone else zigged well if everyone's complaining that we zagged when we should have zigged why would we do the same thing again when all of these other teams are starting to copy Fangio, copy sorry copy fangio's defense why why would we go against the grain when we should be basically continuing with what we have and just putting better players in it right and uh travis tarbox here has a question here as far as rich if we go rookie quarterback next year who are you guys big on i'm big on kenny pickett and malik willis i'll be honest with you travis i haven't been paying a huge attention to college football in terms of you know prospects or anything but i do know that the articles that i have read that a lot of analysts were big on kenny pickett and malik willis i don't remember their respective teams but i do know that the only way or at least i believe so that the only way george payton goes for a rookie quarterback is if he lands in my opinion a big fish uh either offensive coordinator or a head coach and the head coach pushes to you know not not willing to deal with a guy like aaron Rodgers or russell wilson for example and they wanted to kind of just start you know redo the offense from scratch which would mean the broncos would have to use their draft picks or even trade players at that to try to move up in the draft order to get uh into the top i would say top 10 for a quarterback right now if the season were over from what the last thing i remember the broncos would be 14 14 between 14, 12 and 14 in terms of uh draft pick selection if the season ended today which isn't bad you could still get a, a, a good quarterback at that position i mean hell mac jones fell to the patriots at 15 so um but george payton has been no has so far has shown that when he wants something done he goes off and gets it you know he goes off and gets it done the whole thing with von miller trading him for picks while it shocked and rocked everybody in broncos country it's that whole thing is kind of starting to fade out and i believe that the signing of tim patrick and colin sudden is kind of starting to wane that you know negative <clears throat> negativity off of his off of his character for now but depending on how what he does these next few weeks going into the second part of the season and where the broncos end up will also determine how his first year as gm is going to kind of give an insight into what his second year is so this is when you said the top 10 i, I didn't want to interrupt you Johnny Baki here, uh, co-host of Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue on Fridays on MHRT Network. Uh, Literally took the words directly out of my mouth, so I didn't actually have to interrupt you. Um, Top Mm -hmm. 10, I mean, top 10 is actually generous. I I hear some analysts say there's not even a quarterback worthy of the first round in this upcoming draft. Yeah, I did hear the same Um, thing too. And so, I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily a fair comment because I think the quarterback is such a high value position in the NFL that, you know, even a flyer in the teens is well worth it. it, it even, like, let's just assume that no quarterback has taken in the top 10. If you're picking 11 all the way through into like the mid-teens of this upcoming draft and you have a question mark at the quarterback position or a veteran at the quarterback position, I think you need to start asking yourself if it's worthwhile to take a flyer on the guy in the late first to develop behind someone simply because the value is just so high at the quarterback position that, you know, even if the guy works out to being a high quality backup for most teams, 
you could probably get him behind your veteran quarterback for maybe a year or two, show that he can play, and then trade him for uh, whether it be a first-round pick or a second-round pick or, or something similar to what we even got for Vaughn just because of the value of the quarterback position in the NFL. Yeah, and you know what? That's probably why I haven't really paid much attention to the quarterbacks per se for the simple reason that a lot of analysts have said the same thing, that they're that this upcoming draft class is not big as previous draft classes on quarterbacks. But at the same time, you guys have to hope and believe that there's got to be a sleeper out there. While, and there's going to be teams that are going to take chances on quarterbacks in the first round, I believe. I mean, hell, look at Daniel Jones. Nobody knew who the hell Daniel Jones was or was expecting him to be a first-round pick, especially when the Giants picked him. And the Giants pretty much rolled the dice on, on Daniel Jones with him. And if you saw yesterday's game against the Bucs, obviously it's starting to look like maybe the Giants were wrong and they could decide to move on from Daniel Jones at the end of the year. Hell, they've already moved on from Jason Garrett as their offensive co coordinator by being the very first uh, NFL employee to be fired. So with that being said, uh, I do agree with uh, the boss's comment here, which he just jumps in. Hey, boss, how you doing? He says, I'm hearing good things about Pickett and Willis. You also have to think, though, the Broncos offensive roster is geared towards a rookie quarterback. Average to good offensive line, great running backs, and wide receivers. So the boss does make a good point on that. The only other thing that would be missing from that formula is who's going to be calling the plays from that uh, side of the position and who's going to be the head coach, you know, overseeing those comments right after that, actually. Yeah. Uh, when he also says better than average tight ends just need a good coach to coach him up, which is what basically I'm, I'm trying to say here, Rich. And it, that's basically... It, it all depends on who the coaching staff is going to be for said player. Just like uh, like a lot of people were high on Justin Fields coming to Denver this past season, and they were really upset when the Broncos passed him up for Patrick Sertan. And, uh, and I'll say this again, while I would have loved to have Justin Fields play as the quarterback here in Denver, with Teddy Bridgewater being in town, there was no way to justify putting in fields before Bridgewater if there wasn't an injury designation or, you know, or an illness to say, or that the fact that I had any confidence in Pat Shermer and bringing the, the real, like the best out of Justin Fields, like we saw him do in his college years. So the coaching is going to play a really big role next season. And, and that's saying whether the Broncos go veteran quarterback uh, pickup or if they decide to go the rookie quarterback uh, pickup but one thing's for sure rich the broncos have to take advantage of this offensive uh of this offense that's great offense that we have and the defense while the defense is still kind of trying to it, it's it, i want i wouldn't want to say rebuild here rich i wouldn't go that far but more like a restructuring you know trying to figure out who plays better in what position and who can who who's going to stay and who's going to go and who's going to come in next offseason but one thing's for sure, this team has the caliber to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any other team in the NFL. The only thing is, they just need that driving force behind them to get them there. Uh, so I just wanted to bring in, uh, thank you for uh, Chronicles of the Black Hole for coming in. Uh, I think I know exactly who you are. I think that might be OG Daniel from uh, the Raiders podcast there. But I uh, want to thank you very much for coming in. Uh, I don't think we sound like everyone else in the AFC because I think the vast majority of the AFC, uh, particularly in the AFC West, has uh, found uh, their their quarterback, or at least a good number of them have found their quarterback. 
Um, I certainly argue that in the AFC West, if you're going to look at uh, teams, uh, I would argue, well, clearly, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have the quarterback of the future. And if you're looking how uh, our, the quarterback we're about to go up against, uh, Justin Herbert, he is clearly the <laughs> Chargers uh, quarterback of the future, uh, looking at how he's playing. Um, I actually like Derek Carr. I just think that he needs to have a certain scheme and some creativity around him. Uh, and I think he can play much better than he currently is uh, these last uh, few games. Uh, I think part of that is also uh, some of the turmoil that's gone within the organization of not having uh, mentorship uh, at the uh, offensive coordinator position uh, for the uh, Raiders. Um, and again, almost similar to the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater and and not having the right scheme play and playing within it. I think that Carr can do better within a different scheme. And I think Carr is a better version of Teddy Bridgewater uh, overall uh, based on arm strength and other things. Now, we could very well go rookie quarterback. The problem is uh, the rookie quarterbacks. Um, so uh, in theory, if there is a good uh, quarterback uh, in this particular draft or, or a quarterback that starts to emerge and starts to show that real growth curve uh, coming out of college, uh, maybe. But then that quarterback is is most definitely going to start getting uh, additional looks in the offseason coming into the draft. And there will be a team, I, sh- I assure you, just due to the value of the quarterback position in the NFL, that, um, you know, someone's going to take him or try to take him in the top five. And we're not going to be in the top five pick, hopefully. So that'll be a challenge for us. No, and I totally agree there. And I, it's just going to be really, really... Uh, and the the one actually the thing that the advantage that the Broncos have as being the one team out of the three in this division that hasn't found their their you know their franchise quarterback per se or the the guy as the Chargers and even the Raiders and the Chiefs have is that they'll have an advantage. They, while they don't have the advantage now, they'll have the advantage going forward once Derek Carr you know finally moves on from the Raiders or he retires or Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, does something that, or the Chargers decide to move on from Justin Herbert, or he retires. And same thing with Patrick Mahomes. I'll take Justin so, Herbert in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah, now I'm, I'm sure you. I'm, I'm sure you were. <laughs> but it's it's just basically it's like almost everybody gets gets their turn, Rich. You know, the Broncos had had their turn in the early two uh, two twenty like twenty ten era, and you know, obviously the Chiefs have are in their turn. And who, you know, who's to say that the Chargers and the Chiefs couldn't have, or the Chiefs, the, the Raiders couldn't be next in terms of having their turn of being, you know, top dog. So whatever the bar that the AFC West division sets, the Broncos have to not only meet it, but go one step further, you know, and obviously the Chiefs have, have shown it with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And so far this season, those two guys have shown that they're not, uh, as immortal as a lot of people have turned them out to be, that team can be beat. The only thing is, is that the Broncos have to not only try to figure out how to go toe-to-toe with uh, their offensive weapons, but just how to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field and how to make him uh, make mistakes like other teams that the Kansas City Chiefs have lost to have made them do. Sure. So, uh, with with that being... Yeah, go ahead. Sure, I mean, I completely... I, I agree. I, I actually think that... Um... I actually think that a lot of teams have been incredibly successful with rookie quarterbacks coming out of the draft. I'm seeing some of the banter here in the chat. Love it, guys. Uh, please keep it up. Uh, if you have questions you want us to answer, please just 
fire him over this away. And uh, we will do our best to answer those, uh, you know, given the time frame we have here in the pod. Um, I do agree. I mean, you have guys like Kyler Murray, you have Justin Herbert, uh, you have uh, Patrick Mahomes kind of within that same general era. Um, You have, uh, who's the other ones that have come out and done well? I mean, Baker Mayfield has been basically average, but an average quarterback in this league can can win games for you and get you pretty deep if you have a good team surrounding them. So again, circumstance matters. Uh, actually, a great example of that would be Mac Jones. Look mm-hmm. how well Mac Jones and the New England Patriots are doing this year. Uh, again, uh, you want to talk about system, scheme, right players, good coaching, that kind of stuff. Mac Jones and the New England Patriots will be a great uh, example uh, of that in the uh, in the last uh, just last draft. No, and I totally agree. And uh, our good friend Big E Bronco jumping in. Big E, haven't seen you in a while, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank for you for joining. Thank in. you. He says, get the Buffalo's offensive uh, coordinator Brian Mitchell, Trubisky for one year deal, which will prove it. Deal draft the quarterback and see where it goes. Uh, you know what? I'll be the first to admit it. I'm not big on Mitch Trubisky. I've seen him play here in Chicago during his tenure here. And, you know, while Matt Nagy has his issues, I I don't think Trubisky would be the, the savior the Broncos would be looking for. And there's a reason he's playing back up to, uh, to, to Josh Allen right now. But I wouldn't be mad at bringing, you know, Brian Dable, the, the Buffalo's offensive coordinator, in into Denver because obviously, you know, they had a really bad game uh, against uh, the Colts this past week. But, you know, I'll, I'll take one bad game over a three, four game losing streak, which is what we've been enduring here in Denver these last, this, this past season. So uh, change is coming, guys. That's that's not a question. It's who's coming with those changes that I think you're interesting. You're underselling that. I mean, let's if we can just kind of start all the way from the top, right? It's been basically documented and announced by this current trust that an ownership change is coming. Now, who that is, no idea, but an ownership change for the Denver Broncos is coming. So that's first that's that's a big that, that's kind of the, the big elephant in the room where the eight hundred 800 pound gorilla that's coming to the Denver Broncos, which is we're getting a new owner. Mm. Uh, who that is, we'll, we'll see. After that, the question then becomes, do we trust the current, um, you know, folks like Elway or, or Rich or uh, even George Payton to select ourselves uh, a head coach if we do not keep uh, Vic Fangio? I- I'm not so sure. Because we don't really know what George Payton thinks in terms of his uh, head coach criteria. We also know that he's come out in favor and saying that Vic Fangio wasn't was one of the reasons why he actually wanted to come to Denver. So part there's there's a, a large part of me that's looking at this and saying, I wonder how much of Fangio's struggles are as a result of poor drafting and not getting the right people in the right positions within the football team. And if George Payton is looking at it from his perspective and saying, I can fix that. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. Vic Fangio and I are cut from a similar cloth. We want to build from the inside out. We want to build the defensive line. We want to build the offensive line. So we might be quite surprised as a Denver Broncos fan where a new owner comes in, but Vic Fangio may stay and George Payton says, don't worry, I got you. Right. And while this has all been really, really great banter to talk about, guys, 
we're going to have to keep this show rolling along, Rich. And and, I, uh, I actually agree with uh, Mundungus's comment right there at the end. Um, there are some great quarterbacks that have never won a Super Bowl. The first one that comes to mind is Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's, I don't think there's a person alive that would argue that Dan Marino was not a great quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean that he was a winner. That doesn't mean that he was exceptional, but he was a great quarterback and he was, he certainly is deserving of his position. I believe he's in the Football Hall of Fame uh, as a result of what he did, but he certainly is deserving of the, um, pedestal in some respects that he's put on because he allowed the Miami Dolphins uh, to to play that the type of way that they did uh, in some respects single-handedly because they didn't do a very good job of putting a good team around him. <laughs> yeah. A lot uh, of the time, at least. Yeah. So I think it's time, Rich, that we And no, the Fraggle game. Rock comment was not inappropriate. I, I laughed out loud. I don't know if you saw the smirking and laughing as Six Foot Ten was talking, but that was directly at that comment. <laughs> yeah. No, you're fine, uh, Chronic. So, um... We have uh, we have a, a piece coming up now. We're at the eight o'clock mark uh, with regards to what the Denver Broncos need to do this upcoming week. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here it You're is. On mute. Oh, am I? No, I'm not. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, here we go. The hot five with the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey guys, my name is uh, Kevin from the Charger Chat Podcast. Thanks for having me on. We're super pumped to be here. Um, Five things that the Chargers need to do to beat the Denver Broncos. Um, A few things, actually. The, The biggest one, number one, is Justin Herbert. So Justin has had a fantastic year so far. He's had games where he's setting records. He's had games where the offense couldn't get going. So I think that the number one thing that is going to be a problem for you guys is Justin Herbert. If he gets any kind of rhythm, if he if he starts getting confidence and finding areas of the field, starting to pick apart that intermediate range, that's a problem. And then if you guys try and shut that down, he's like the most accurate uh, passer in the league past 20. So, you know, y- you guys have played this a lot in the past. You you remember the Philip Rivers days, you know, this is a totally different kind of quarterback. So um, we're beyond excited as a fan base for Justin. And, and I think, uh, um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to show up um, on Sunday. Um, secondly is our run defense. Um, our run defense hasn't been very good this year, to be frank. Um, what needs to happen is that needs to shore up. And the good thing that happened for us this last week, um, this Sunday night when we played, um, is the you know when we played the Pittsburgh um, Steelers, our run defense showed up, and we it was our our best game to the to the uh, of the season so far in terms of uh, stopping stopping the run. So that that's what I am hoping that the Chargers can continue to do, because um, that has been basically we're not letting playing a two uh, two shell. Um, coverage where we're not letting anything pass us you got to pick us up tear us apart in the middle or run on us and that's all we're really allowing so if we can shore up that run defense that's gonna that's gonna be a problem um other big thing that we've had that is uh, a real real pain for us is uh currently the drop
drops that we've been experiencing um, in terms of our wide receivers and tight ends. Um, just they come at the most inopportune times, and it seems like we've been having a few of those. So I think if we can have one of those games where it's uh, fairly mistake-free, um, if we can get those um, things not to happen and our, our guys can make the catches and do their work, that'll be great. That'll, that'll help us out a lot. Uh, one of the big things that's always been a problem for the Chargers is special teams. So uh, we had a kicker, couldn't make anything in the beginning of the year, just got a new one, signed Dustin Hopkins from the, the Redskins, um, picked him up, and he's been lights out for us so far. Um, he's won games for us. So hopefully he can continue his, his ways and, and we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, that's, that's our goal there with special teams. Um, and then just kick coverage, trying to pin you guys down inside the 25. A lot of people have been able to return on us, landing in the 25 to 35 yards. If we can shore that up, I think we'll be in a, um, pretty good shape. Um, uh, the big thing also is just, you know, I'm not sure where you guys are at in terms of, you know, your offense and what you've done so far this year. But the big thing that I have is the, the third downs, getting off the field. Um, we have, for some reason, our defense in the last few weeks has let drives continue and just let, let guys get comfortable. Like we let Roethlisberger get comfortable on 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 Sunday night at the uh, at the end there in the fourth quarter, so I think third downs is going to be a big a big part of this game because um, I think that's going to really decide what what the time of possession is going to be, um, what we've seen so far in terms of people that have been been able to beat us is if you keep our offense off the field. So if, if the the Broncos find a way and fingers crossed that they do not, um, if they find a way to, to control the time of possession. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the last minute. You know, we've been in all these games We've except for the Baltimore Ravens game. We've been in every single one of these games It's all been one possession games um, the games that we've lost so you know, I'm excited. This is going to be a great game. It's always fun to play the Broncos. Um, I think out of uh, all the AFC West opponents, you are my favorite of the three, which, you know, we're still opponents, but the other the other two teams I am I have some disdain for. So always look forward to playing you guys. Um, looking forward to coming back and uh, and uh, beating up on uh, Melvin Gordon a little bit because we got a, got a little payback for him leaving the Chargers. So um, thanks for having me on. I'm super pumped for this Sunday. Um, let's have a, a good, safe game and uh, get everyone healthy on the other side of this thing. And, uh, you know, we're, gonna come, we're coming for you. We're coming for that W. So be ready. Yeah, so um, I don't know what happened to my co-host. I think he was having some technical difficulties. He should be joining us back shortly during that uh, video. But <clears throat> what I gathered from that is, you know, one thing he was totally right on, guys, is just the fact that the Steelers, the, the way they played was just, I mean, that for those first three quarters, it almost looked like a shutout. You know, the Chargers looked like they could do no wrong. And Justin Herbert seemed to have only gotten better with time. And the one thing that really worried me about uh, Justin Herbert's play as I was watching that game was just the fact how the Steelers were just letting him run for yardage. Now, Justin Herbert isn't exactly like a Lamar Jackson, per se, or a Russell Wilson in terms of mobility. But if you give him room to run, he'll go and take every single yard he can get before he slides down. So... Uh, you know, it, it's just kind of, and it's kind of weird how they didn't, how the Steelers didn't really put a spy on, on Justin Herbert because it wasn't just once. It seems like Herbert was just doing it at his own free will. 
you know, he just kept running and chewing up yardage. He, he almost had just about as many yards as uh, his running backs did. But uh, one thing we have to remember, guys, also, uh, not to take anything away from that Chargers victory on Sunday, but the Steelers' defense was really beat up, and they all weren't there. So, you know, unlike when the Broncos played the Steelers, there was no um, – uh, they didn't have a Fitzpatrick there. They were missing uh, one of their inf- ins- inside linebackers. And if I'm not mistaken, they were also missing TJ Watt. So um, the Chargers also took, uh, you know, they, they they took advantage of the fact that, you know, the, the Steelers defense wasn't playing to their full potential. And, you know, that's just how football is. You know, it's a next man up league. If your starting guys or your best guys aren't available, then, you know, who's ever your second or third is going to have to step up and, you know, play that uh, play that game. But what I think needs to happen in order for us to upset the Chargers is just that it just needs to the, the Broncos need to show up more than anything. And uh, Rich, welcome back, my friend. Are you everything OK? Yeah, my audio cut out on me. So, oh, OK, Um but so I was just basically recapping the video we just saw, Rich, and I was oh, just yeah, saying for sure. he was great. Yeah. And uh, also thanks to uh, our, uh, our Chargers fan for coming on the show and giving us his five takes as well. Uh, but before I actually comment, uh, finish my comment, I just want to say that uh, we do this is a family friendly channel, guys. So uh, we do not uh, even though we do have a giant rival, a big rivalry with Chargers fans and Raiders fans and Chiefs fans there is a, a line that we still draw so you know let's keep it professional in the chat uh and you know you talk smack about the chargers is one thing but when you go past that line and start taking things personally and, and all that then you know then that's that's too far so uh i just just want to put that out there uh but anyways uh basically uh, the broncos need to study that game because the steelers defense while they were hurt they they kept that game close and you know if it wasn't for the fact that the defense just couldn't keep up with the the, the offense that the tar- that the Chargers were running that game could have went a whole different direction rich in terms of uh you know and en- ending in any in anything so but basically rich the Broncos just have to limit Justin Justin Herbert's uh, uh damage to throw the ball and the the Broncos could have beat the charges last year's easily if it wasn't for Jerry Judy's, you know, slippery hands where he just let he could have had a three touchdown game that week with Drew Locke. But unfortunately, it didn't fathom. So the Broncos coming off of their bye week, they have to come out, hit the ground running. They have to make an example out of the Chargers because the second half of the season is going to be a lot harder than the first half was rich. I agree. The, the, the one thing that was clear when I was watching the Chargers game there was coverage is super, super important and scheme is super important. Um, when you look at what the Chargers were doing, they were running guys uh, as crossers. Um, that's actually what the Eagles did to us as well, which has me quite concerned about this particular game, if I'm going to be blunt and honest. Um is the, the we knew the Eagles like to run crossers and yet we didn't stop it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't um, we didn't uh, kind of bracket anyone. We didn't kind of have people jumping in front of routes. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. We didn't have over the top help. We did have, we had none of that. 
And as a result, we got eaten alive on the crossing routes uh, by the Eagles. And that really was is what killed the, the game because just the Eagles just kept on marching down the field in five, six, seven, eight plus yard chunks down the field. And then every so often would just throw bombs away and we get killed. So um, I'd like to see a scheme a little bit better, uh, play a little bit better, uh, and hopefully um, we can do better against those types of plays. And yes, uh, Johnny, I do agree. Uh, I think the Baron Browning injury uh, had a lot to do, but I don't think it was necessarily the crossing routes per se. I think that the Baron Browning injury, what had, it had the most impact was the running game. We could not stop the Eagles running game. The Eagles run game gashed us big time. The, the one thing that the Chargers don't necessarily have is that really dominant run game that the Eagles had where they were chunking up yards. So that might help us, but what the Chargers do have is versatile run, running backs that can both catch and run a little bit, and that can be uh, a real issue. Like Eckler, for example, is a better pass-catching running back and can pass pro better than, say, a Philip Lindsay could, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention Eckler is coming off of a four-touchdown game, if I'm not mistaken, against the Steelers. So uh, run defense is something definitely that the Broncos need to reshore up. Uh, so hopefully they don't let a guy like Austin Eckler get the best of them or let Justin Herbert just keep running the ball like he did in that game against the Steelers where if and, and they just basically accommodate to the play. If you see that Herbert is able to get in between the tackles and run, you know, run a spy. Don't don't just always assume that he's always going to throw the ball, you know, so just it's just these little things that the Broncos can do to to win this game. And this division game, it, it, this a victory here would it means a lot more than you know actually a win against Philadelphia here, Rich, because Philadelphia is not in, they're not even in the same uh, conference as we are. So a division win right now we're getting into where every single win means more because you know it's it's playoff berth and you know positioning and uh, I, I don't want to say playoffs. Uh, Hey, I'm still hoping this team makes playoffs, man, (laughs) even though it doesn't look like it, but they're still a part. I'm still a Broncos fan. Uh, And I don't really want this team to start thinking that, you know, they should start tanking for a better draft positioning because that should never, never really be something that anybody should consider. You know, even if you root for a, even if your, your favorite team is really terrible and they've never won a game, but you want your guy. You want your guys. You want your team to go out there and play the best football that they can play here, Rich. And getting a division win against the Chargers is step one. We're already 0 for one in terms of division wins. We lost to the Raiders in the first one, so we cannot lose this game against the Chargers because then we have um, coming up, which is also which was also breaking news today, guys, is that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Broncos game next week got bumped up to Sunday Night Football. So we're going to be in primetime, folks, and the Broncos need that momentum by beating the Chargers to go into week 13 against the Chiefs. Sunday night. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I agree. What I hope we see is is Shermer and, and Munchak and, and even Fangio getting involved in this and really tailoring our offense in the bye week now since we've had some time to see what works and what doesn't to really fit our players. I hope we can do that. Shermer does not have a long storied history of doing this. That said, we did see some adjustments after our bye week last week, 
or sorry, last year rather, sorry, where we started to see some changes in our offensive scheme where it was um, kind of those pulling guards and stuff like that that we were talking about earlier in the pod. That's what they started to get introduced after our bye week last year. So one could hope that we're going to see some similar changes to fit to our current players' strengths at the end of this bye week. And what we need to see is what we saw against uh, the Dallas Cowboys, where we had uh, 45-55 between the um, 11 personnel versus 12 personnel, where we saw a little bit more of the 12 personnel uh, on the field, because that is what our team is good at. We are good at flanking tight ends, throwing to tight ends. Uh, We saw for the first time the last game against the Eagles, Noah Fant actually get used the same way as we did Albert O. So I have a funny feeling that their wheels are starting to turn. The problem is, is is it too little too late? Or uh, does Shermer or Shula even for that matter uh, truly have a clue as to how to use the proper the players that we have on our team to, to start winning games? Yeah, and not to mention, guys, and this is a, something, a point that I brought up earlier in the podcast, is that we've already had our first uh, official NFL firing, which was the Giants firing uh, Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. So that precedent should send shockwaves and kind of like anything, just, I, I don't want to say fear, but just kind of like, a sign to every single person out there in the NFL saying, Hey, going forward, if you guys don't shape up, you're, you're going to ship out, you know, and there's already reports saying that if the, that the Broncos might Broncos, that the bears might move on from Matt Nagy after Thursday, I don't know, win or lose, depending on how it goes against the lions. And the same could be said about other offensive and maybe even defensive coordinators at certain teams if they don't shape up to, you know, to their team's perspective. Now, the crazy thing about this season, Rich, is that every single time that we think something's going to happen, like the total opposite has happened, you know, like uh, Buffalo losing to the Colts, uh, the the Titans losing to the Texans. And I mean, it's just been one week. It's just been one surprise after another. You know, and, and the, what I, the, the three words I've been hearing uh, all over the NFL, especially on Twitter, is any given Sunday. So, you know, nothing is nothing is impossible at this point. Any single team who started off bad can just turn it around and start playing for the better and make the postseason and vice versa. So, guys, well, we need to let's let's simmer down on that a little bit. I think the I think we can safely say the Lions are out. <laughs> well, I mean, with the exception let's, of let's, the... let's 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 bring that temperature down just a little bit. I mean, I, I think the Houston, I think the Texans and the Lions are basically out of it now. That now the question is, is the race for first, and and whether or not they want to be seen as that bad, or uh, this year may actually be the year where you start seeing teams because they don't necessarily feel that the quarterback is there for them. Mm-hmm. This may in fact be. Uh, the year where you start seeing uh, teams not just kind of fake it to look like they're trying and not. <laughs> um, right. this, this may be the year where you start seeing those teams actually fight to kind of show, no, 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 we're not that bad, but you know, we just had some really bad games and we, we were kind of working some stuff out. Um, I mean, to me, the Lions are one of those sneaky teams where if you look at some of the losses they have, it reminds me a little bit of Vic Fangio, I think it was either last year or his first year as a head coach, where we only like they lost like three or four games by two or less, or by, sorry by two or less, mm-hmm. and um, uh, 
you know, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. And, uh, just basically guys, if we, we can, uh, block, uh, yeah. the, uh, guy there, that'd be wonderful. And, uh, just, uh, just basically, uh, kind of get back on track and the five things that i believe the broncos need to do to win this game is just basically you know get justin herbert needs to be contained because if we saw anything from this past sunday night is you cannot give him room to run uh front defensive line they have to get the pressure in the chargers the chargers have a really good offensive line especially on the right side so i do not envy our defensive line from that position so blitzing might have to be incorporated a little bit more and, and, you know, in trying to force Herbert, not just so much to run in and out of the pocket, but just to make him to throw the ball and make him in awkward positions. Because one thing you do not want to do is give Justin Herbert time to throw the ball and give it to a wide open receiver because our secondary as of late has been struggling in trying to keep up with these wide receivers. Can I, can I build off of that? What mm-hmm. we saw versus the Cowboys is we saw um, bigger bodies. Uh, get rotated in against uh, teams that were stuffing some of our smaller interior defensive linemen. So, for example, as much as I know people like um, uh, Draymond Jones, uh, he is not a big guy. When you see him out there compared to some of the other interior defensive linemen or defensive defensive ends, he is not a large, he's not as big as some of the other guys are, and he's built a little bit differently. So he he has had a few games where he has been held at bay. In fact, there was a few plays in the it was either the last game or the game before where he was held back by a, an offensive lineman with one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that we saw Muti do that a few times and we lost our minds. And we thought it was wonderful when Muti did it when he was on our team. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing when you see the other team do that to one of your defensive linemen. So um, I, I would like to see us adjust so for example if jones is not winning his one-on-ones and he's getting pushed back by larger offensive linemen or he's just not able to win those battles just you know for whatever reason i think we should start rotating in larger uh interior defensive linemen and start mixing things up to kind of get that pressure like you were saying up the middle of the of the field which for a kind of more pocket style passer which justin herbert generally speaking is that's what we should be doing and we should be throwing him off his off his spot yeah i i totally agree with you there uh but you know one thing we just can't take the chargers for granted here rich and that's the one thing that the i think that's the one thing that the broncos have especially they did against philly you know coming off of that really big win against dallas and especially us as fans we took the 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 eagles for granted just because they were a three and six team at the time and you know thinking it was an easy win and the opposite happened and we went into the bye week you know more disappointed than than anything because it 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 shouldn't have happened so the broncos are coming off of well rested they're coming off of you know a little bit more healed up and and just better into the second part of the season and you know one guy that i hope to see take the field rich is bradley chubb and i believe he is because he just got activated to the main roster if i'm not mistaken today so i hope i'm really hoping that bradley chubb gets to see some game time because uh, 
you know, with with Von Miller no longer being there, that right side, you know, all, nothing against Stephen Weatherly and Jonathan Cooper. They're doing great. But you can't have those two guys always out on the field, uh, you know. Uh, I'm going to push back a little bit. Just, just, just a little bit. So when uh, when you were off in Dallas gallivanting around Jerry World, um, Mundungus and I had our <laughs> took over Broncos talk together. And he and I had a discussion about the uh, angry aviator. Um, Chubb, I'm a concern with. I want him to heal up. If 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 what you're talking about uh, is true, <clears throat> and you want to try and think or hope that we get a playoff run, I would like to see us put Weatherly in a, a, just a lot. <laughs> he mm-hmm. just needs to play, and he needs to be that secondary starter for us right now in my opinion, in place of Malik Reed. So I think you want to see Weatherly and Cooper. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not against that, Rich, but I'm just saying the Broncos have invested a lot in Bradley Chubb, and uh, I just want him to go get back on the field because he's a really good football player. I mean, it just sucks that the injuries have he gotten was, but, the best of him. But he came back too early and hurt himself again. I don't want to see a repeat of that occur. And... I think that we would do better if we gave him just that extra week after that and ease him back into practice to show that he can, in fact, um, come back uh, healthy. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not saying rush yeah. him out on the field. I'm just saying that we need him out on the field. So if it takes one more week you, to Avatar get Bradley. Yeah, thank you, Avatar. Uh, if it takes one more week to get him, you know, acclimated and, you know, back into the defense, then, then so be it. But like I said, I, I love what we've seen in Stephen Weatherly and, and uh, Jonathan Cooper, but we also need, you know, that rotation so we don't get those guys, especially if they're going to be out on the field that much amount of time. Because we have to also remember, Rich, our interior defensive line is not as as strong and good as we expected it to be. So no, that just puts more pressure. Close. Yeah, that just puts close. more pressure on the outside guys to try to go in there and contain, especially and when the the quarterback, if he gets the squeak, gets on between the tackles, the outside guys are the first ones that have to run and chase him. Although Shelby Harris is a pretty quick guy, don't get me wrong, he's chased down Cheetah once in his life, but we can't ask him to go out and chase down the quarterback every time twice. he scrambles out of the pocket. Yeah, twice. Thank you. I call him the Cheetah Hunter. <laughs> um. But, but that being said, when you look at our uh, interior defensive line, I think that's another thing that we need to start looking at either in free agency to get a, a, a legit interior uh, defensive lineman uh, for the middle of the field. I think Purcell has regressed enough where I think we can safely say he's probably not our future, uh, although I really like him, which is a shame because he, he was doing so, so well. Um, that being said, uh, the other thing is that's why I like Weatherly. Uh, Weatherly stays in his lane. So when you look at a guy like Malik Reed or you look at, uh, at some of the other younger uh, outside linebackers, uh, even Tuska, for example, or is it Tulska or Tuska? Um, I always mispronounce I, I can't get it right either. I, mi- I mispronounce the last name all the time. But um, they were all jumping inside when they should be staying their lane on the outside, uh, which helps the containment of the run to the outside uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Weatherly doesn't get caught up in that nonsense. And that's what I love to see. We, when we saw the Dallas Cowboys game and the reason why he jumped out on film 
is he didn't allow himself to jump on the inside. He didn't allow himself to get out of position. And as a result, when you saw Pollard and Zeke attempt to bounce to the outside when they couldn't get the running lanes in the middle, he was right there. Mm-hmm. And he made the tackles. He made a couple uh, tackles for loss. And uh, that's what you want out of that outside linebacker position. You want a guy who recognizes when they can't get to the passer that they have to stay within their lane to keep contain on the outside of the ball. And frankly, that is Malik Reed's biggest weakness is he consistently and regularly jumps inside to try to get to the passer and he breaks contain and that can allow the outside runner. And it happens right. regularly. Look at look at what happens. They will run out on the outside of Malik Reed's side of the ball, and they often get yardage. Right. Uh, and I guess the million-dollar question here, Rich, is who wins this game? Chargers. I'm going to say Broncos. I think the Broncos take the first game. Uh, I know the, Ch- the Chargers are coming off of a really big game momentum against the, the Steelers. But I have faith that they only won that game and they won it by that much because they took advantage of a Steelers uh, defense that was completely de- depleted. And, you know, I, I just think that the Broncos are, are hungrier for this win than the, than the Chargers are. But I'm going to say it's, it's a close game. Uh, if I had to guess, I'm going to say... Uh, I'd I, I say the Broncos put up 30. 30 to 27. So, so for me, what, what my biggest issue is, is that I think the Chargers offensive line is better than our interior and just general defensive line. I think that we have some really good outside linebackers. So I think Cooper is going to kind of have some some plays where he's going to start hitting on uh, on Herbert. I think Reed is going to struggle. And I think Weatherly might start getting home if they play him more. My concern is that we're not going to play the right guys at the right spots. With, mm-hmm. with the right amount of playtime. We've done so most of the season, so until they prove me wrong, I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then on the same side of, of that same coin, unfortunately, as, as I hate to use that you know combination of, of, of words there, is um, on the offensive side of the ball, we have continued to do the wrong things. So until my team can show me that they can actually do the right things with the right players and the right scheme, I just simply don't have faith that we're going to be able to overcome uh, a young Justin Herbert who is showing to be, dare I say, one of the top five or even top three quarterbacks in the NFL with what I've seen this year uh, as a soft, as a second year player. Um, We just don't use those terms here in Canada. So they didn't want to get it wrong. But as a second year player in the NFL, he is, he, he was the one guy that I was afraid of because he had the legitimate option. Uh, he had the, he had an opportunity to kind of tank, and and really show that the first year was a fluke. And instead, he's gotten better. I don't like it because we have to play him twice a year, and he's one of our division rivals. So until the Denver Broncos can show that they can overcome their own, uh, you know, basically tripping over their own feet by not doing the right thing by the players that we have on the team, I, I think we're going to have a very very hard time winning. And let me be the first to say, I hope I'm wrong. well guys unfortunately that's gonna have to do it for our show today guys thank you guys so much for joining us here live in the chat uh chronicles jay brian the boss avatar uh johnny uh i know mark uh, biggie bronco was here with us thank you guys so much for joining us live and if you're listening to us after the fact thank you guys so much for tuning uh, into the, the show and if you are listening to us after the fact 
leave us a comment if you have any questions. Uh, I always circle back and go and uh, answer those for anyone who uh, who has them. Uh, I've answered all of them that I can find. And if I've missed yours, hit me up on Twitter at Richie Richie. I will go ahead and uh, give that a once over and give you a complete answer to your question. Uh, you may not always like my answer, but I will give you one. Also, thanks to you as well, Dave. And guys, let me just recap. Make sure that if you like what you heard and saw in today's show here on Broncos Talk, you hit that like button and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure you share this video on all of your social media so that way you get the word out that Broncos, uh, that MHRT Network is here and we are here to stay. Also, make sure you catch our other shows, the MHRT uh, podcast that airs every single Thursday, but not this Thursday because of the Thanksgiving weekend. So please keep that in mind. We will not be airing uh, the MHRT podcast this Thursday. And also, as well, we have the Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue podcast with our good friends Johnny Baki and Isaiah Henderson. They will go live on Friday at 7654. And then, of course, we have the Neighborhood, the new podcast show that airs just before every single Broncos game. So make sure you guys, like I said, are subscribed and hit that notification button so that you know when we go live and you never miss a single moment of the action. So, Rich, before we go, we have to do everybody's favorite, the my high five, Rich. Before Our- we jump into that high five, I just also like to thank uh, Chargers uh, Chat Pod uh, there for jumping in on the hot five segment today. Uh, that was awesome. I appreciate all your points. And uh, I'm 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 stretched out and ready to go. I'm ready for that mile high five, uh, and uh, hopefully this is the difference maker for us winning this next game. Uh, you know it, Rich. Are you ready? Here we go. My high five! <laughs> Woo, guys! Happy Thanksgiving, to everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you all next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs>